0: Free
1: Speech Radio News is produced at Pacifica Station's WBAI in New York, KPFA in Berkeley and KPFK in Los Angeles and community radio station WMNF in Tampa, Florida. The newscast is produced by Monica Lopez and Simba Russo. Headlines editors are Randy Zimmerman and Nell Abram. Our DC editor is Mitch Jesserich. Our technical production team is Jade Paget-Seekins, Pauline Bartolone, Mick, Mylan and Eric Klein. In New York, Vita Fernandez.
2: And it is just past 7 o'clock here on radio station WBAI, New York, 99.5 FM. It's time then for Off the Hook. The
0: telephone keeps ringing, so I ripped it off the wall. I cut myself while shaving, now I cut me. Make-
2: uh do we have a manual with us
3: uh we do at least i hear myself do you hear me i hear you great the news is uh, well this week i'm coming to you from amsterdam i was in um uh, madrid last week i thought i'd be in paris this week but i decided to uh to step it up a bit and uh get over here as quickly as i possibly could um joined this week by our good friend rob from amsterdam hello there and um bernie s down there in philadelphia
4: merry christmas
3: uh mike in the studio who we just heard from indeed and i believe we also have Red redhacks redbird and jim
2: hey hey good evening
3: did i leave everybody out uh,
2: we also have our the esteemed and legendary i hear ken gale engineering
3: well that goes without saying but yes ken how, how are you doing
2: doing fine
3: good to hear your voice again well we have uh, a whole lot of uh, material tonight because just uh, there's, there's so much going on of course we have the ccc congress that's happening um, in just about uh, oh, a little less than a week's time uh, in Berlin. And again, there's still time. There's still time to get down there and see some uh, some really good presentations. Uh, I'll be presenting a, a panel. Uh, so will Rob. A whole bunch of other people. A lot of people coming from America this uh, this year. Uh, it's uh, what is it? Rob, the
1: 21st? Um, December 27th through 29 every year.
3: It's the 21st conference, though.
1: It's the 21st conference. Yes.
3: And I don't think you'll find a a hacker conference that's gone on for 21 years. So that's quite an achievement right there. Uh, Taking place in Berlin. More information at ccc.de slash congress. All right. Uh, I believe it's slash congress. If it's not, it's just ccc.de. Um, anyway, uh, I was um, traveling around. Uh, I went to uh, Barcelona since I talked to you last, uh, and some very interesting things. The Spanish uh, train um, system. Uh, of course, they had the uh, the terrorist bombing in March, and this has led to um, some increased security, some increased police presence. Nothing on the order of what you see in Penn Station, but um, in, in another way, though, it is slightly different. Um, we, we talked about what they're instituting in New Carrollton, and, uh, which is an Amtrak station near Washington, D.C. What they're doing in the Spanish train system is basically checking bags like they do at an airport, uh, but in a very quick way. Uh, you don't actually go through a metal detector yourself. You put your bag on some kind of uh, conveyor belt. It goes through. You pick it up, and you move on. I didn't see anybody get stopped. I didn't see any bags get opened. Um, I imagine that this is something that is probably going to be instituted um, in very many places.
2: I, for one, can't wait.
3: It's uh, you know I, I don't know how they they can do it quicker than they they do it at airports, but uh, maybe they're looking for something specific. Um, there is no questioning, there is no searching that I could see. Of course, if they find something on board, I imagine they 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 would do that. So um, who knows? Something to uh, to look forward to. Now, Paris... Is there area a chemical the sniffing? Uh, yeah, There's there nothing sniffing. I didn't see anything like that going on. I just saw it going through like an x-ray machine. Um, I didn't want to look too closely. You See, that's that's the thing. When you're in a foreign country, you kind of can't push your luck too much because you don't know what the actual consequences of your action were. Uh, I was in Paris uh, for the last couple of days, and I have to tell you that the military presence in that city is very disturbing. Um if you go through various train stations even shopping malls you'll you'll see people in fatigues walk by very slowly always in groups of two or three and they have this kind of menacing appearance to them and they're always carrying machine guns and i'll tell you you know i I have a lot of faith in 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 the french people i have a lot of uh um, love for the culture but that kind of thing just really spooks me and uh it's something that I I, I see as a trend in many parts of the world, United States included. It's just a a sad thing.
2: This is definitely something new. I mean, when I was in Paris maybe seven years ago, there was nothing like that that I remember. I mean, that would be something I'd remember distinctly, and I I don't remember anything like that.
3: I don't want to give the wrong impression. I mean, there aren't soldiers in every corner. This is something you you might see a, a group of three soldiers walking through a train station maybe once every hour and a half or something like that. But it's just kind of the mood that they present when they do that. And you have to wonder what it is that they're actually uh, accomplishing by doing this in the first place. What are they protecting? What would they be using those machine guns for? I saw, uh, I walked outside a, um, a shopping center near the champs de there and there were three of these guys out in the street, and they were just randomly stopping cars. Now, I can't imagine what you could possibly tell from a car driving past a shopping mall that would make it somewhat suspicious. But uh, it just seemed like a power trip, you know. And I was also inside another shopping uh, area where two of these guys were just walking down. And they were just looking really slowly at everybody and everything. And you could just tell that the mood that they cast upon the people that were there was just a very negative one. And I think it did less for security and just more for, for overall fear. And I don't think that's a, that's a good step at all.
5: What about your question of last week on what makes the Iberian trains different?
3: Uh, do you want me to answer that right away, or do you want to give the folks uh, a chance to, um, to to weigh in on it this week, and then I can announce it at the end of the show?
5: Oh, I don't know. Uh, is, are there any any hints that don't give it away that you can?
3: Well, basically, I'll repeat the uh, the, the challenge. I was on the train systems of uh, the, the subway system, rather, of both Lisbon and Madrid, uh, and I noticed something rather strange, rather odd, rather uh, different about each of those those systems. It's the same basic thing I noticed about each of them. Now, in Barcelona, it was not the case. And um, I think that's a pretty good hint right there. Something very basic, something very obvious. So if anybody who has been to those cities knows what I'm talking about, call in later in the show and let us know. And, of course, anyone in the studio, Rob, if you know. Just uh, feel free to chime in and say what you think it might be.
5: I'll, I'll make a random guess. Having never seen those train systems, uh, by any chance, do the, uh, if you're seated in the train, do you exit without going to a center aisle? Is there direct exit from your seat, like in certain British rail carriages?
3: Oh, no, no, no. It's not something like that. Although you know, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that, that raises the issue of confuse, uh, confusing train systems. And boy, if you want confusing train systems, go to Paris because it's got to be the most confusing metro system I think I've ever seen. Uh, and really, uh, if someone out there has been there and understands it, all right, that's a, that's a big if, please write to us and explain the whole thing. We're talking about a metro system with uh, with both lettered and numbered trains okay that 's not very difficult in New York. We have that The letter trains are the are the um, uh, suburban lines pretty much that 's kind of cool because you can ride the suburban lines within the city limits uh, for the cost of the metro and they're bigger trains they 're faster, they make less stops that 's kind of cool. But then you have all kinds of other things where you don 't know what the train is that you got onto they don 't label the trains with letters in fact, they label them with with four random letters at the front of the train, I guess, to tell the engineer which train it is, but you have no idea if you're riding on a four train or a five train unless you know exactly what time that train's going to get there if you consult the schedule and look at the little map and the grid. Uh, now, things don't follow any particular rhyme or reason. You might follow a sign for the, uh, the the B train going down a hallway, but then three feet later it's going to point to the left and then maybe straight again. Uh it's, it's basically designed to drive you insane, and it, it, it worked pretty well. It's um, it's an efficient system. It gets you around, uh, although it shuts down at about 1 o'clock. But it's, um, it's just something that I, you know, people say New York is confusing. No, New York is not confusing. I'm sorry. New York is very, very simple. Paris is extremely confusing as far as figuring out the metro system. The streets, too, because it's not a grid. Um, but uh, that metro system, I don't think anything equals it that I've seen.
2: We did receive a guess by email uh, to your to your puzzle. Oh, okay. Know.
3: Read the read the guess. I'll tell you if it's correct.
2: I don't have it in front of me, but someone uh, suggested that there is no advertising in those systems.
3: Oh, they'd be very wrong to say that. Now there's advertising all over the place in the metros of uh, Barcelona and Madrid and Portugal and uh, everywhere that I've seen.
2: So that's not it either. Eh?
3: Ruff has, has made a guess that there's no third rail, and he's wrong. There is a third rail. Not, it's not always on the track. Sometimes it's a wire above the track, but that's, that wasn't what I was referring to. They have the wire above
2: the track on the green line in Boston also.
3: One thing I'd like to know, and, and this is another question completely unrelated to anything else. The trains, and you've noticed this too, Mike, I know, and, and, and Red RedHack. Uh, in Berlin, the trains are so quiet. The subway lines are so quiet when you're inside. Now, I can't understand why they're so much more quiet than the New York City subway lines when they basically are about the same size. Some of them are a little smaller, I know, but some of them are about the same size. They're inside a building pretty much like the New York City subway is. Why is it that they glide in silently and have a really smooth ride, and ours are simply clanky and noisy and and really will drive you mad? What What sort of wheels are they on?
2: It's exactly the difference.
3: Are they on rubber, rubber wheels? wheels? Yeah. yeah. If uh, they, they they were not rubber. No, Montreal is rubber wheels. Yeah. I know that much. I don't think Berlin is rubber wheels.
4: In Switzerland, uh, a friend of mine from uh, Switzerland, Stevie, visited me a few years ago here in Philadelphia. And we took a rail line from here to uh, a town about a, an hour north of here. And he was freaking out on the train, man. And he was like, what's going on? It's because the train's rocking back and forth, which is normal. He said, our trains are like, they don't vibrate. They don't rock back and forth. I said, well, what's different about him. He said, it's Swiss engineering. So I don't know. Maybe this is American engineering is why uh, our trains are so much noisier. It would be nice if they
3: could fix this problem somehow because it really does make you a lot calmer when you're Even if you're getting lost and confused like I was in Paris, it just makes you feel a lot better when you come out uh, that it wasn't so, so much of a screeching, grinding experience as well. And you know what else they have in, in, in trains in Europe? They have dogs. Yes, you can bring your dog onto the subway in europe and the dogs behave themselves they're quiet they they're respectful of other dogs and other people and uh, i don't think that would happen in new york even if they allowed the dogs in because it's just so damn noisy nobody would be able to uh, to tolerate it what's the anyway, i think we've spent done. enough time on on mass transit do you
2: well no. i have one comment you know the new york city system is a hundred years old and it's tough enough just to keep it you know keep the upkeep going versus you know completely redoing it so i don't know that they'd be able to to make it quieter and it has been there a so, long time, so
3: the Paris Metro was started uh in nineteen hundred, I believe. Uh and I I think it actually was under construction in the mid eighteen hundreds. Uh, so I don't know. Um it's definitely the dog... something basically different.
4: I, I what does it cost to take a dog on the train? Uh, it doesn't cost
3: anything to take a dog on a train, you can do that for free. Dogs
4: ri- dogs ride for free. That's right.
3: Wow. I I, I also know why the dogs are so well behaved. Um, this is Ken. Uh, I talked to some people from Germany and everybody who gets a dog brings their dog to obedience school and that's just part of like getting a license. You take your
2: dog to school and that's why they behave and that's why they can be everywhere.
3: I do know this, that the dogs we saw on the street, um, we're, we're very kind of standoffish, you know. If you see a dog in New York and you say hello to it, he'll generally sure. greet you back in some way. But in, in Paris especially, the dogs just kept walking and wouldn't even make eye contact.
4: They're French dogs.
3: Uh, apparently, there's definitely a cultural difference.
2: I hate to but distract this conversation, but uh, we do have uh, an important bit of mass transit-related news. Uh, And that is, uh, as we've discussed on this show, the MTA is planning to ban photography uh, in the entire system. And this past uh, Saturday, Redbird and I uh, attended a flash mob, get it, flash, photo flash, uh, where a group of us, there were about 50 of us, uh, I'd say, uh, went all around the MTA system uh, taking photographs of things uh, in in protest for this upcoming ban.
4: Did the thing and? include the MTA uh, uh police officers?
2: Oh yes. They were they were fascinated by it.
4: They didn't yeah. uh they, oh. they they didn't seem to complain all that much either. They uh they kind of let us go on our way. They actually a couple of them said, Take as many pictures as you want, just you know, don't block the entrance to the uh t- you know, to their stations or anything like that.
3: Cool. And was there any kind of uh media coverage of this?
4: I didn't there was there was uh someone from the media was there I, I i i don't remember the station are these photos posted anywhere i i took a few i can post i haven't posted them yet
5: not not organized not everybody has posted on masse, i see. oh well
3: well we've gotten a number of letters on that particular topic it it continues to be one of the um The hot items, uh, these days, and it should be too, because it's something that I think once you take away the right to take photographs in a public space, uh, it's, uh, you know, not something you're gonna get back anytime soon. Uh, I've been hearing about the proposed photo ban in New York City subways, reads one letter. There is a ban on taking pictures of bridges around the city. If there was to be a ban on photography in subways, would they not be able to film movies in subways or on bridges anymore? I think that may hurt the city's economy if the movie industry had to go elsewhere to get a picture of a bridge or a train. I think if the ban were to go, everyone should get detailed pictures of subways and put it on the 2600 website. Like you had one photo of a cover, on the cover of 2600 of a bridge. Uh, there should be a site called forbiddenphotos.net or .com or something like that. Find Jeremy. Jeremy, that's a very good idea, and we would like to do something like that. And um, I guess we just need more ideas and people to help us implement them. But certainly once you have the picture, once you've taken the picture, I mean, what are they going to do? They can't redesign the subway station. Are they going to simply hunt down everybody who has a copy of the picture of the inside of a subway station? It's bizarre. It's crazy.
4: The strange thing is uh, they already have, I mean, very, very detailed station maps and and track maps and everything online that you can already access at uh, NYCSubway.org, I believe.
3: But, yeah, um, and that's uh, it, it's it's something that people are interested in, and most people who are interested in it have no desire to destroy it. They are interested in how it all works, and that kind of thing should be encouraged, not uh not uh, threatened with. Uh, criminal action of any sort. Here's another letter. My name is Joe. I live in Manhattan. I've been hearing you talk about the camera ban in the New York City subway. I have a video camera, and I like taking pictures of things for memory purposes. For example, I like to have videos of things from the 1970s, 80s, and so on, so I can see what the old buses and trains look like. I definitely agree with that. Uh, what the old ads said, how the people dressed in those days... You mean to tell me the New York City police are going to waste time focusing on stopping people taking pictures of things in and around subways? I want crime back. Well, maybe not crime, but I want the 1980s back. This is ridiculous. We don't have to worry about people with guns and knives in the subway like we used to. Now everyone with a camera is a threat. I mean, what is going on?
2: Uh, I want to thank those people for writing to us, but there's someone else they should write to, and that is the New York City Transit Authority. And I have finally managed to track down an address which allegedly uh, accepts comments on the photo ban. Uh, That is David Goldenberg, G-O-L-D-E-N-B-E-R-G, of the New York City Transit Authority. Uh, He's at 130 Livingston Street, room 1207, in Brooklyn, New York, where the zip code is 11201. So uh, in addition to writing to us, send send him your comments.
3: He's in that room right now? Uh, maybe. Okay, well, that's definitely a good address to write to. Maybe we'll give that address out later in the show as well. What is um, his title, uh, Mike? Does he have
4: a, a working title? He does not. Hmm.
2: In fact, if you search uh, if you search through the MTA website for a reference to his name, The only time his name appears is as the project manager of implementing this new set of regulations. It's very strange.
4: And he's a project manager. I guess so. Well, he's going
3: to find out just what that title means when uh, he gets all these uh, calls and letters and and whatnot, um, showing how New Yorkers feel about this kind of thing. If there are any New Yorkers out there that feel this is a good idea to ban photography in the subways, please let us know. Maybe with a side of this, we're just not understanding. And maybe it is a good idea, but somehow I don't think so. Uh, last week, uh, Red Hat reported on a raid, a bust, and arrest in Finland. Uh, Red Hat, you want to give us a very quick synopsis of what that was?
2: Uh, yeah, I th- the site was unnamed in the news brief I read, but it was a, it was a BitTorrent site. It basically uh, hosted torrents. Uh, it probably ran the trackers too for the for the BitTorrents. Uh, and basically, what, what BitTorrent is is um, you get a torrent file that gives you information about what you're trying to download and information about a tracker server uh, The tracker server doesn't hold any part of the file at all It just tells you what other people are sharing the file And then it's a peer-to-peer system where you get bits and pieces from different people and put it all together uh,
3: This is related to something that happened here in Holland Dutch anti-piracy organization uh, Is this pronounced brain up I guess b-r-e-i-n? Uh, along with uh, the Economic Inspection Service of the Fiscal Intelligence and Investigation Service, don't you love these titles, uh, have raided two popular sites in the Netherlands that offer links to allegedly copyright infringing content that arrested eight people and seized 11 servers. The two sites are a share connector and releases for you. They offered thousands of movies, games, and music files to 50,000 registered users. However, they only contained links to PCs hosted by users of the popular P2P service, eDonkey, and not any content themselves. Uh, Brain says it had talks with the people behind the site, uh, site for some time, but they refused to take them down. We simply ran out of patience, said Tom Queek, director of Brain. Brain, (laughs) I'm sorry if that's not the way you pronounce it, but it sounds really good. Brain will not only press charges against the owners of the sites, but also against Dutch hosting provider MindLab, which, according to Queek, didn't want to cooperate either. The raid against the Dutch sites uh, coincides with actions of the MPAA against server operators of BitTorrent, eDonkey, and Direct Connect sites in Finland and in France. Now, with that, I'd like to hand it over to Rob for a spell, uh, who's going to give us some updates on things that are going on here in Holland and how it's all falling apart and going to hell. Because, boy, you know, we we talk about it week after week, but um, we don't really get the perspective of how things are here in Europe.
1: Hey there. Hi, Rob. Grab this phone receiver the right way. Um, yeah. Well, there's there's a number of things to talk about uh, that are going on here in Holland. Generally, politically, Holland is not doing that well. You may have followed the news. There's now political murders, multiple, that have gone on in Holland. Um, Political climate isn't precisely happy. Uh, Lots of fear of terrorism, fear of everything, I guess, in a way. Um, There's some some more uh, uh, hacker or online-related stuff that's going on. Um, uh, ISPs and telephony providers are going to be forced to keep huge logs of just about everything that's a Europe wide development uh, basically everywhere in in Europe except in Germany ISPs are going to have to keep logs of every URL you access uh they even have to look into the traffic if it's to certain providers apparently uh they they want you to they want ISPs to hold logs of what emails are sent by whom to whom what the subject was basically all the meta information about the traffic uh, and providers have to keep that. They're not sure how long, but somewhere between one and three years of everything.
2: That's a lot of data beyond that all these. That is
1: a lot of data. Yes.
2: Uh, you know, I'll, I'll it's going be- to
1: cost uh, Dutch ISPs millions.
2: It, it Huge
1: arrays of disks.
2: I mean, generally, so that
1: they can be searched later by the proper authorities.
2: Generally, the ISP doesn't even know exactly what URLs its
4: customers are visiting. Yet,
1: uh, well, they can either make it their business to know or be put out of business.
4: Rob, yeah. I have a question for you about this data. Um, sure, this sure, Bernie, Bernie S. Uh, in Philadelphia. Is this data uh, available to uh, Dutch law enforcement uh, without a uh, judicial oversight, without a without a court order or a warrant from a judge, or...
1: I'm not there's speakers? the thing is the parliament both the European parliament and the Dutch parliament are asked to vote on documents that they, that they can hardly see uh, or they can see at the very last minute and it's it's very sketchy they basically vote on laws which which allow the government to set the precise details in 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 documents which aren't even law That sounds so like it's very United unclear States. what exactly is planned what the exact overview will be it's just you hold on to all this data, and we'll figure out the rest later sort of legislation. Well,
4: it's scary enough that this is being done, but it would be even more scary um as if that were enough uh if law enforcement had access to the complete volume of this information and could establish uh traffic patterns and links, you know basically do data mining on this huge compilation of of traffic information um there's there's a lot of information that's uh Really, would, uh, you know, can be read between the lines that way that always really has nothing to do with law enforcement. That, uh, would be very scary to be you know, making available to law enforcement at, at will. Well,
1: the, the current mood here in Holland is people are screaming to give up their privacy. Things are not moving fast enough for the general population. So we want less privacy. Please take more away
2: from us. Why do you think this is? The Dutch
1: people are. are uh, I think. I think there was a there was a survey that showed that the Dutch people were the most scared of terrorism in Europe. Um, combine that with with a general sort of culture of wanting to snitch on thy neighbors. Um, there's a lot of scary developments here. What? A lot of the good things that used to be about Holland are disappearing at a rapid rate, and we're gaining some scary things if we didn't have them before. So uh, has yeah, the, this country isn't isn't developing in a very positive way.
5: Has the Theo Van Gogh murder pretty much pushed it over the edge?
1: I think things have been going wrong here for for uh, the good part of ten years. I think I think it's becoming obvious to more and more people. Um, the intellectual part of the nation is, is is contemplating emigrating in huge numbers.
2: To where um, exactly? Uh,
1: it, it's this is this is not good. To. where are they where are they going to be immigrating to I don't know uh, I think I think Holland is if things go wrong uh, which which are going to go wrong pretty much all over the place Holland is a historically a very bad place to be when things went wrong in Germany Holland was actually a worse place to be for for the Jewish population than than was Germany because we combined, a perfect register of where everyone was and what religion they had and everything with a, a willingness to cooperate with anything that happened to be the law. So more, a larger percentage of the Amsterdam Jews died in World War II than, than died in any city in Germany. So Holland is, is if shit goes wrong, uh, if stuff goes wrong, uh, Holland is a really bad place to be.
2: Indeed. Although you don't have the FCC there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we don't have the FCC there. That is true. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, anyway, uh, uh, there's other things. There's there's the Dutch government. Uh, the Dutch minister apparently thinks it's a good idea that printer vendors start warning their customers about printer serial numbers being printed. Um, and I looked into it a little bit further because I had apparently missed the big story. Um, Printers, color printers the world over apparently print their engine serial number, which is not their printer serial number, it's the serial number of the engine inside, on a piece of the printout, which is about .1 millimeters square. Uh, and this apparently happens in, in loads and loads and loads of printers. Any color laser printer that's modern, any, uh, 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 even good inkjet apparently print their serial number of the engine. And apparently the Dutch police, uh, uh, is using those engine serial numbers to get to individual buyer, uh, to the individual that bought the printer. So they go from engine maker to uh, uh, to printer maker, from printer maker to distributor to shop to customer. And they've used this successfully in a number of investigations, according to a, a police spokesperson here in Holland. And so uh, this
4: has been going on here in the United States for... Uh, for about ten years as well, uh, pioneered by uh, the United States Secret Service and uh, Canon Corporation, who first uh, yes. cooperated on this. So it's been uh, going on for a long time, and it's a uh, uh, it's not just uh, it's on all color documents. It's not just documents that uh, that appear to be uh, of uh, you know a control document like a copy of currency or something like that.
1: Yes I, I knew it was in it was in sort of the high end color copiers. Mm-hmm. I was I was previously unaware how big this had gotten and that it's basically in any color printout.
4: Yeah it's
3: filtering
1: down to the,
4: can, filtering down to the every man level now.
1: Yes apparently. Hmm. So that was that was an uh, a heads up for me at least.
2: Any other news from from uh your part of the world?
1: Um, I had a number of things, but nothing major. Nothing major now. Okay. I'll give you back to your here.
3: Okay. Uh, and here I am. Oh. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's still a great place. Uh, uh, Europe has a lot of, uh, of positive things happening here. Um, I, I think you know the way that we criticize the United States because we're in the United States. We're up, of course, has the obligation to criticize uh, the country he's in and see what's wrong with it. Uh, with a much better perspective than we have. I think we all need to listen to each other and and see the bad mistakes that our respective governments are making and hopefully uh, fight these things together before they become the way of the land. And you're listening to Off the Hook on WBAI New
2: York, 99.5 FM.
3: Indeed. We have this interesting piece from a listener uh, who um, relates something that happened at an airport I recently boarded a domestic flight to find that my name showed up for a match on the no-fly list. Uh, a closer inspection of two or three lists, they decided that I was not the person who should not be flying, and they gave me the attached letter. I don't know about you, but I'm not keen on contacting the TSA and giving them more information about me. Signed, Matt. Now, the attached letter, obviously you can't see it, but we can read it. It's kind of tiny, but I'm going to try to read it as best as I can. It's from the Transportation Security administration dear traveler when checking in for air travel some passengers have found that they are unable to obtain a boarding pass online at curbside check-in or from an air carrier's electronic kiosk when this occurs they're referred to the airline ticket counter where they may experience a delay while uh, while the agent uh, verifies their identity Uh, if this situation applies to you or if you are required to undergo additional checkpoint screening each time you you fly please contact the transportation security administration tsa toll-free at one eight six six two eight nine nine six seven three uh... you may also send tsa an email at tsa dash contact center uh, i think we lost bernie yes indeed uh, but you didn't lose me no. uh, okay so um Let me read that email address again. Uh, TSA-contactcenter at dhs.gov or by clicking on the Contact Us button at www.tsa.gov. I guess they were trying to knock me off the phone line, but they've missed, and they (laughs) knocked over Bernie instead. Uh, I'm going to continue reading this letter, though, and you're going to hear all the things that uh, you only get if you're a suspect. Uh, as part of the security administered at airports, TSA prepares and maintains watch lists of persons who are known to pose or are suspected of posing a threat to civil aviation or national security. TSA recognizes that some people have been subjected to frustrating delays at airports as a result of being mistaken for an individual who, in fact, is on a watch list. Uh, we regret this inconvenience and have developed a procedure to expedite the check-out, uh, check-in and screening process for individuals who repeatedly experience delays. When you contact the TSA contact center, known as TCC, a representative will explain how this process works. The entire process may take up to 45 days to complete. To better assist you, we ask that you have the following information readily available for the TCC representative. Your full name, make sure you have that ready, your date of birth, telephone number, mailing address, and email address. TCC representatives are available to assist you Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and Saturdays, Sundays, and Holidays, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. I just think it's incredible that um, uh, they basically put you on another list so that you can maybe avoid being on the first list. Um, I want to see these lists. I think we have a right to know who's on these lists in the first place. It seems
4: incredible that uh, uh, we know so little about it.
2: Indeed. We have Bernie S. back with us, I believe.
4: Yes, uh, it's amazing. Sprint, Sprint PCS can't keep a connection between Philadelphia and New York, but uh, uh, you, you manage to keep a connection between uh, you know, New York and in Holland.
3: Yeah, well, we have a, a real interesting connection here, Mike. Perhaps you can tell the folks something about how this is actually working.
2: Sure, we've we've talked about this before, but there's a, a company which provides this number, which is a toll-free number, uh, which we can then go on the web and program and and direct this toll-free number to anywhere in the world. Uh, so right now, there's, there's a, a U.S. toll-free number, which is, uh, if you call it, you'll get Rop's house in, in Amsterdam. Of course, you, you'll get a busy signal because we're using it at the moment. Uh, and, and we can just be redirecting this all over the place.
3: And the best part is that it costs something like, what, five cents a minute?
2: A little, Maybe closer to eight, but not bad. Eight enough.
3: cents a minute. Unheard of, years ago. Not only are we calling overseas at is a low rate, but we're calling a toll-free number, which we could call from any place. It's just... It, it, it boggles my imagination, and you, we can program it to go anywhere. Uh, the, the catch is, if you if you program it to call a cell phone, I think it, the the cost jumps quite a bit, right?
2: Yeah, if you uh, a, a foreign cell phone, U.S. cell phones, uh, the receiver pays, but uh, for foreign cell phones, the caller pays, which in this case is the owner of the toll-free number. We we also have just joining us is Walter, I who, who's waving.
4: What's they the name of that order. company, Mike, that has that service?
2: I, I don't have it with me, but uh, if people are interested, they can email oth at twenty six hundred dot com and they will they will get the information.
3: Now we also got this other uh, uh, letter, which is actually forwarding a story, which is being reported in some some places, I think the Washington Post. Um, they forwarded the the story though because of the quote. Uh, the quote that something is like a George Orwell novel. <laughs> and, uh, this came from a listener called Jones. Jones, thank you for, for sending this. The Washington Post reports two police officers recently visited the home of an 11-year-old and questioned his parents for three hours about anti-American comments their son made in school. The student had refused to participate in a Veterans Day exercise and criticized the Marines. The school claimed he had said, I wish all Americans were dead and that American soldiers should die. The police, que- I hear children saying that all the time. The police questioned his parents about this, uh, their views on September 11th, the military, and if they knew any foreigners who criticized U.S. policy. They also inquired whether the parents might be teaching, quote, anti-American values, unquote, at home. Uh, the mother, Pamela Albao, told the Washington Post, it was intimidating. I told them it's like a George Orwell novel, that it felt like they were the thought police. She went on to say, if someone would have asked me five years ago, if this was something my government would do, I would have said never. And that brings us right back to the point we were making several weeks ago, where things just change. And if you look five years, ten years down the road, you might see something that you just wouldn't recognize if you saw it today.
2: Yep. Indeed. Um, wait, do you have a, another story? I have a story to talk about. Go ahead. Your uh, turn. Um, we, if our our listeners are probably familiar with Indie Media, which is a, a collective of uh, independent journalists who who publish a website and a uh, New York City newspaper and other things, uh, the the state apparatus in, in its various forms seems to really like subpoenaing Indie Media. They've done so three times since August. Uh, the most recent one. Uh, came in on November 19th, uh, so about a month ago, uh, where the city of New York is being sued by some folks apparently in the uh, World Economic Forum protests uh, a couple of years ago. And the city has decided that rather than use Google to get information off New York City Indie Media's website, it would be a lot more fun to give us a, a two-page subpoena where they request uh, they request 15 items, the first of which is all documents relating in any way to the animal and earth liberation march held on February 3rd in in 2002 in New York, New York, and it just goes on and on and on um, to the extent that this information is not already on the web on Google, and they should find it themselves rather than harassing us. Uh, Indymedia Media is is a set of journalists and. Uh, One would think is therefore protected by reporters' privilege, which, uh, as astute people will know, is being very quickly eroded, but still exists to some degree. Uh, So we got the uh, the American Civil Liberties Union to to represent us in this matter, and they sent a a very long letter. It's uh, three or four pages, uh, four pages saying, you know, New York City in the media is is a bunch of journalists. You can't just go demanding journalist files. You can't go demanding files that you could you could get in a less restrictive manner. And the, the interesting news is that the New York City Law Department, which we expected to just kind of go away upon receiving this letter, has decided that it is worth your tax dollars if you live in New York City to argue that New York City in the media is not a media organization and should not be resp- uh, allowed to have journalist privilege which is kind of strange
4: well they demonstrated that a few weeks ago right in New York didn't they how so with uh with the mass arrest of uh people many of whom were uh indie media reporters
2: oh in in August you're talking about yeah like, a few mention. months ago yes but uh it's, you know uh,
4: no they would not arrest uh, uh other media but uh indie media they would arrest them
2: so it's it's kind of interesting um to see what will happen. I think if any indie media in the, in the country or the world is clearly a, a journalist organization, it would be in New York, which publishes a newspaper, among other things. It's pretty clear-cut uh, to me. But uh, so we're that kind newspaper of is
3: called The Independent, and you can see it uh, in all over the place in New York City.
2: Indeed. Uh, so for more information, the, the website is nyc.indymedia, I-N-D-Y-M-E-D-I-A dot org.
3: And I think it also speaks to what a lot of people were experiencing during the RNC, myself included, where we were told, well, if you have New York City credentials, you won't be getting arrested right now. And, you know, New York City obviously is saying that any kind of independent journalist is not considered media, so we would have had no chance to get those credentials anyway, even if we had bothered to apply for them, because... You know, it's pretty obvious that these credentials are only for the corporate media, not for anybody with an independent voice, and that includes WBAI as well as indie media. the The, the, the odds are just completely not in our favor as far as that kind of uh, status goes in the eyes of the city, and this enables them to do things like raid offices and and issue subpoenas and try to get records that they never would get ordinarily because of, of the First Amendment, and. um you got, you got to watch something like this. No matter how you feel about indie media, if you feel that they're, they're not very good journalists, or you feel that they represent something that that you're opposed to, doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if, if it's right wing, left wing. You have to protect certain values, and if you don't, it all starts to crumble a lot quicker than you think.
4: Have any uh, Have any particular journalists, uh, Mike, uh, um, gotten to the point where they would uh, have the option of pleading the Fifth Amendment, saying, "Well," Um, I'm not going to talk about this because, uh, frankly, sources are not protected under the First Amendment.
2: It's Um, not a Fifth Amendment issue. Um, It's a a First Amendment issue of of reporters' privilege.
4: uh, Well, unfortunately, I I don't believe. I wish it were the case, but I don't believe the First Amendment protects journalists against having to reveal their sources. It does. It does restrict. It does prevent the government from restricting speech. But that is not the same as uh, compelling journalists to give up the identity of their sources. I wish it did. I don't believe
2: it does. It used to. Uh, The government, the Justice Department especially, is is fighting uh, to erode that privilege, but it has traditionally existed.
3: Hmm. Uh, Again, uh, Mike, uh, email address or website people can can help out?
2: Uh, Sure. It's nyc.indymedia.org, and uh, there's so much actual news going on that it might be scrolled down a bit, but you can certainly find it there.
3: Is there an email address people can, can write to to if they want to help in any way?
2: Uh, there is there's not really. Um, there is an email address.
3: Uh, for, well, I'll tell you what, if, concerns, if you want to help out, email us and we'll, we'll forward it to the right people, oth at 2600.com, because this kind of thing just cannot stand. Um, Something else was kind of uh, on, on the humorous side, I guess. <laughs> and I, I, I say that with all kinds of sarcasm. Uh, President Bush has ordered plans for temporary, temporarily disabling the United States network of global positioning satellites during a national crisis to prevent terrorists from using the navigational technology. You know, the White House actually said that last Wednesday. Any shutdown of the network inside the United States would come under only the most remarkable circumstances, said a Bush administration official. Uh, who spoke to a small group of reporters at the white house on condition of anonymity <laughs> I don't know how you do that exactly but, but um... Uh, i guess uh... the gps system is is vital to commercial aviation and marine shipping now think about that just for a second president bush is finds something remarkable alright and he decides This is a good opportunity to shut down the GPS system because this is just too remarkable for words. And all these airplanes are in the sky. (laughs) There's no GPS anymore. I don't know. I I have serious doubts about this.
5: Well, there's Uh, still going to be radar, and the air traffic controllers will see these planes and say, go to this airfield, it's to your south,
3: it's to your west or whatever, and, and land. And we were also yeah, I'm sure everybody to... will be nice and calm, too, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just maybe kind of stressful what we don't need at this point. Uh, the President also instructed the Defense Department to develop plans to disable in certain areas an enemy's access to the U.S. navigational satellites and to similar systems operated by others. The uh, European Union is developing a $4.8 billion program called Galileo. You guys heard about this?
4: No. Yeah. It's the EU, the European Union's version of uh, the United States' uh, global positioning system, and, and the Soviets, or now the Russians, uh, have a similar system uh, called GLONASS, which has been around for many years. So, so um, there are the- commercial there are commercial receivers you can purchase. They're more expensive, that receive both GPS and GLONASS, and uh, the Euro- European Union's version called Galileo is not up in place yet. But when it is, you'll be able to buy a commercial receiver that can receive. Those signals as well. So, but what concerns me is what Emmanuel just mentioned is that uh, uh, the President has uh, developed, is uh, ordering the Defense Department develop plans to disable uh, uh, really anyone's access to uh, similar systems operated by others. I'd like to know how they're going to do that. You know, in other words, I, I, how do you, maybe I don't, don't think they going to do it.
2: I mean, it, they could do it by calling up their friends in the EU and saying, do it. I mean, hmm.
5: Yeah, they could frequency jam. Would probably be the easiest yeah. thing if you were trying to target a certain area. But right, you know, you know that the they're going to be bombing the Gateway Arch in St. Louis, so you shut off. You, you get a frequency jammer into St. Louis and jam the frequencies from all three satellite systems.
4: And then nobody will be Usually. able to find the uh, nobody will be able to find the arch in St. Louis. Then.
3: Right, right, because as <laughs> we all know, it's deeply buried underground. Usually, the first sign that that somebody's going to bomb something is when they bomb it <laughs> you know that's just how it how it works. Um, anyway, uh, finally this story, and then we we'll can take some phone calls, Two one two two zero nine two nine hundred. 209 U.S. air travelers, we reported on this last week about uh, cell phones in the sky. Well, U.S. air travelers wasted little time barraging communications regulators with hundreds of emails registering their opposition to ending the ban on the use of mobile phones during commercial flights. The U.S. Federal Communications Commission on Wednesday, last Wednesday, unanimously proposed lifting the ban if uh, issues about safety and technical hurdles can be overcome Uh, their mandate was to facilitate communications but the potential of scores of passengers talking on mobile phones during a lengthy flight has many travelers worried that their last quiet haven from such conversations will evaporate we've received a couple of hundred emails from the public most of whom believe that use of devices that don't involve talking are fine but are not looking forward to the possibility of hearing more conversations than they do now (laughs) I I have to add my, uh, my vote to that
5: uh, Emmanuel, one minute. I have a, a Christmas suggestion for everyone listening.
3: Okay. Again, the phone number, 212-209-2900. Go ahead, Jim.
5: Okay. At, uh, all this is listed at tinyurlcom slash 4CHKC. But I want to mention two items. There's a new book coming out called Hacking a Terror Network, which presents a, a CD-ROM disc in it, which lists fake websites to illustrate all the... Uh, uh, exploits that the author uh, says uh, terrorists can use to uh, communicate with one another, steganography, uh, messages not being mailed, just saved, and such wise. The other interesting thing is the Commodore 64. I don't know if anyone has heard of this. Not the old Commodore 64, but the new Commodore 64, which in a way is the old Commodore 64. Uh, a hacker from Washington State named Jerry Ellsworth, she has developed a... Uh, a joystick, which is being sold on QVC.com, which for the non-computer literate is a joystick that just presents 30 of the classic Commodore 64 games, but to the more initiated can be converted into an emulator for the old Commodore 64. Uh, the woman is self-taught and uh, apparently uh, an impressive genius. A true hacker. A true hacker, yes. Uh, so what's that URL again, Jim? Okay, the the complete list of of the uh, stuff I recommend for Christmas for Hackers is at tinyurlcom slash 4CHKC. Uh, it's listed on Alt 2600, the news group. Just look for Christmas or for Red Balaclava. And uh, there's, there's a couple more suggestions for people who are interested. And the, uh, the joystick is called the Commodore 64. It can be found at QVC.com.
1: It's
5: like twenty five okay. bucks or something.
1: Too it's cheap. Yeah, thirty bucks. Shall we uh, take some phone
2: calls? We shall. The number again: two one two two zero nine two nine hundred. Country code one if if you're outside the country, and you're on the air.
1: Yes, I'd like to mention. Oh, uh, oh.
2: No, no, not today. Um, let's try here. Hello, you're on the air.
3: Yeah. Uh, the guy who said he wanted a neutron bomb, Iraq. He can go to hell. Yes, he 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 a yes he certainly radio—that's where you belong. You said you wanted a neutron bomb, Iraq, and you got a regular stint on BAI. What do you think you are uh, saying that about murdering, committing genocide against uh, the the workers of Iraq? How dare you? You have no. Did somebody say that on this? Did somebody say that on this show? I don't know. know. I might yeah. have
5: mentioned it in in sarcasm once. I, I, I but I actually don't remember that. That's a little violent even for me, actually.
3: Oh. Well, if anybody did say that, it was highly inappropriate and should not be said. So uh, that kind of thing is, I mean, you know, people say things in um, in in the, the lightness of the moment, I guess, uh that aren't in really the best taste. If somebody so, knows uh, what
5: show it was on, please email yeah, us. Yeah, it on the
3: show on the station. Yeah, I think it might have been the Thanksgiving show. Now that I'm thinking about <laughs> it, you might have said something like that. But
2: uh I'll I'll listen to it. Yeah. All right. Let's take another call. Hello, you're on the air. I guess not. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. we're sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Call us back and and uh. Sometimes it's a
3: real satellite delay, you know.
2: Yeah, we've got someone on the air right now. Hello.
3: Hi. I'd like to know what is your fascination with trains? Did you guys not get a train set when you were kids? No, trains.
5: Trains and hackers go together because uh, trains are have an uh, elaborate signaling system, uh, which uh, is often a precursor to uh, early computers. Uh, among other things, also, uh, trains are complex mechanical systems uh, in which a certain protocol generates a certain result, much like a computer.
1: Okay, just curious. Thanks.
3: You know, I, I never realized that. I just like to watch them go by.
5: <laughs> well, we all find it
3: soothing, but uh, you guys talk about trains quite a bit.
5: Well, also, also, they're a microcosm of civilization, especially here in New York. Uh, you have the public, and you have a monolithic uh, organization running it. Gee, where yeah, that's that interesting talk about because
3: that? a lot of hackers do seem to be uh, very fascinated with trains. So I, I don't quite understand it myself, but it's definitely something that uh, that we we tend to share.
4: I will, uh, I'll have a report in a couple of weeks of what it's like to ride a train uh, in Thailand from uh, near the island of uh, Phuket, uh, about 800 kilometers, which is about 500 miles north to Bangkok. And this should be an interesting train trip.
3: Okay. How do you spell Phuket again, uh, Bernie? The,
4: uh, P-H-U-K-E-T. Now, other people pronounce it a different way, but the Thai is apparently pronounced it... Okay. Okay. <laughs> apparently, apparently, you shocked that listener right off the air. Um, should we take another phone call?
2: We shall. And hello, you're on the air. That one, too. I'm not having <laughs> good luck with the phones today. Let's try this one. You're on the air.
0: Uh, hello. Uh About the uh, Paris uh, subway, uh, they have different fare uh, rates. Uh, you know, first class, second class, stuff like that.
3: Uh, they do, in fact. Well, actually, we weren't talking about uh, Paris as far as the riddle, which I almost forgot about. They used to have first and second class up until 1991. I just learned this fact today, in fact. Um, and then they did away with it, and all the, um, all the subway cars are now second class. You'd think they'd all be first class, but no, they're all second class. Uh, and then another interesting thing, though, they do have different fare rates. Uh, zone 1 and 2 is Paris proper, but if you go to the part of Paris that has the high-rise buildings, that's actually considered zone 3, which is outside of Paris, so I went there the other day and I couldn't get out of the subway because yeah,
0: right. my, ticket, my right. ticket wouldn't let me leave. Right, right. You can't exit. Even if you put that thing in, it, won't, it will reject it, that little sliver that they give you.
3: Unfortunately, uh, the system is so old and decrepit that there's always at least one broken gate. So you just walk through that one and you're out. And people are constantly walking through broken gates, going in and out, jumping over turnstiles. It's it's mayhem.
0: Yeah, but the, uh, 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 their turnstiles were newer before we ever got ours but uh... can i give a riddle for spain and uh... 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 uh, uh it's for uh... uh because you, you said you went to 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 uh... to to, to spain uh... what's in uh... department store for women and but it isn't personal of uh, uh... lingerie or anything like that that is not in department stores in in uh... new york city or, or other places in the world they have an, a department that sells things for them that in no other place in the world do they have it. Now, that's very... How are we
3: going to find out the answer?
0: Oh well, because you have to be, have to have gone there or look up the uh, index. Because when you were there last time, I I I couldn't get uh, in to call.
5: We don't know what it is. Please tell well, us.
0: Somebody will. call yeah. Somebody will. Call you just tell us because we may never know. Okay. No. They they have a fan department. You know that they fan themselves. And here in the United States, they don't have a fan department. Honestly, it's not. It's not a joke. They use fans there, and you ha- and when you go there, you go to the fan department. They have, you know, cutlery and, you know, dresses and pets. But here in New York, if you went to Bloomingdale's, they wouldn't have a uh, department for fan, you know, uh, hand fans. And they that's do have in Spain. So you know, well, I guess it's it, because
3: it gets, it gets rather warm there.
0: Well, that's my point. But they use it, you know, if they have signaling. Um... Uh, which is not not you know obvious uh, for for this program, but the the women would signal with their fans whether they liked you or not, and they would signal to each other you know, silently because they were supposed to be <laughs> i 'm not kidding you, and if they did it to the right or the left would mean they would like you or not like you, and if they covered their face completely, it means you know you, you wouldn 't get to any base, but if they did it winked, you know uh, 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 showed one eye or the other, then it it mean, uh, meant that you should uh, come to them and speak to them and you know uh, but all all silently. So it's just a matter of uh, of interpreting that, which is uh, kind of uh, a passe now. But it, it's uh The cultural complexities.
2: Uh, we've we've got a real uh, uh, fan for Christopher,
3: st- uh, Christopher
5: Street, there are handkerchief departments, are there?
3: I've heard. Well, I want to thank that caller for 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 all the information. That's uh, very interesting. I guess I should give out what the what the actual uh, difference between the mass transit of uh, of Lisbon and Madrid is to what most of the rest of the world is yes are you ready go ahead the cars drive on the left not on the right now in england they do this that's because they drive on the left instead of the right but i can't figure out for the life of me why in both lisbon and madrid every subway car i rode was on the wrong side of the track
2: all right we'll see you next week (laughs) good night And this has been Off the Hook on WBAI New York 99.5 FM.
0: Stolen from the mother 400 years later Mr. Charlie's on some other Take this as an affirmative act To slap at the whack Catch brothers, sisters Who are falling through the cracks Creativity and unity The keys to maintain our humanity And our sanity No vanity Materialism Big willy crap Just progressive elevation Can I get a soul clap? Uh. Keep it going on CUC Keep it going on Keep it going on Creative unity, keep it going on.